Welcome to This is Type 1, real-life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. I'm Colleen Mitchell, and I've had type 1 diabetes for 25 years. I'm a life coach, author, and speaker. I also work full-time as a process analyst in the power industry. I'm passionate about type 1 diabetes education and showing others that this disease doesn't define me. I'm Jesse Tuggy, and I've had diabetes for nine years. I love hiking and painting. I'm looking forward to working as an engineer after I get my degree in college. My diagnosis has inspired me to take control of my life and my future, to learn everything I can about type 1 diabetes. Each week on the show, we'll talk about real life with type 1 diabetes, bring on cool people with connections to type 1, and above all, encourage you to understand that this disease doesn't have to hold you back. This isn't medical advice. This is life with type 1. Welcome to episode 99 of This is Type 1, real life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. Today, we're talking with Ryan Griffin, a friend of mine on the diabetes app who recently went through a process of getting the tandem insulin pump. He was diagnosed late last year, and his journey to getting the pump reminded me that it's been a really long time since I got my first pump at age nine, and Ryan's experience is relevant to all of you guys going through the process right now. But first, we have our wins, fails, and hack of the week. Jesse. All right, you guys, this is my turn for the win of the week. So I actually get have been going to the gym almost every single day this week. I'm very proud of myself. And as of this recording, I will be graduating in about two weeks from today, meaning it's time to start running and getting a little bit more toned for my walk across the stage to get my diploma. I am planning on looking good and feeling good. So this is kind of that process of starting to do that. I am very proud of myself and I'm hoping to continue these habits throughout the summer. All right, what's our fail calling? So I'm kind of annoyed with my sensor this week. It's on um, its normal spot on my upper arm, and it's just not been that accurate. It's been cutting out at night and giving me lots of compression lows. And the last few nights, I've had some lower than normal numbers after a quote-unquote high, which makes my pump increase the basal and then sends me a little bit lower. I actually skipped morning yoga one morning because I just kept going down, and this is a reminder that our tech is not perfect. It will never be perfect. And sometimes we do have bad diabetes days and that's okay. Jesse, what's the hack? All right. With the warm weather and the sun coming out these next couple of months, please wear sunscreen every single day, including those cloudy days. It is very important and it does play a key role in preventing skin cancer and wrinkles later in life. I wear the oil of Olay sunscreen on my face, neck, chest, and ears even on cloudy days, because it is that important. And now here is Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. We'll just jump right in. Tell our listeners who you are and the role that diabetes plays in your life. Hello, I am Ryan Griffin, and I myself am a type 1 diabetic. So tell us the story of your diagnosis. Did you know anything about diabetes before then? Any family history? So my grandfather was a type 2 diabetic, and that's pretty much all I knew. Type 1 was never in my radar. I'd say about August of this last year, I started having symptoms, and I kind of like brushed them to a side because I, I didn't want to like go down the rabbit hole of Googling symptoms. I mean, pretty much excessive thirst, urination. And I was drinking a lot of water, so it was like it made sense. So I was like, you know, brush off, off to the side. And then I think as like the time progressed, I noticed like heavy brain fog. I couldn't really do a whole lot. And like, I knew something was wrong, but like, I didn't know it was also like nearing now the end of the semester. So like 
finals. So I was like stress. It all made sense. But then like, I noticed I had like a lot of weight loss. And so I knew something was up, but I wasn't sure. I had talked to my parents. My dad was like, well, it could be your thyroid. And when I got home, you know, we can test for it. So I kind of brushed that aside. School let out early because of the pandemic. So I had to drive back early. Funny that day, I had no symptoms whatsoever. It was like a normal day. And then this was leading up to Thanksgiving. And I believe the Sunday before Thanksgiving, I was not well. I couldn't walk up the stairs. <laughs> I didn't know what was wrong. I was my parents like, okay, I need to go to the doctor. I don't know what's wrong. And that next day I went in and my doctor tested my urine and saw the ketones. And then she pretty much said, yeah, you're type one. She checked my blood sugar. And I believe I was four, the 400s, like 430 or something like that. And immediately sent me to the hospital and I was in the hospital for three days. I was in DKA. They quickly reversed that. I would say like within a day and a half. And then it was just the other days, like learning about everything. So so did that happen in the last year? So like this past? This past year, yes. In wow. 2020. So. so you're a brand new diabetic. Brand new. Brand spanking new. All right. So we know at this point you have the, the tandem insulin pump, but we want to kind of talk about, later we're going to talk about that process. But before you got the pump, what was, how did you manage your diabetes? Like oh, syringe? Yeah. What, how first, did that happen? They give me a choice between syringes or the disposable pens i quickly went for the pens because it was so much easier and i was pretty like happy with it i mean it was okay like obviously i didn't like sticking my getting shots and later when i was discharged i had watched like a whole bunch of like youtube videos and i came across the in pen i don't know if you guys are familiar with that it's basically a smart insulin pen and it has some like features of the pump so I can track the IOB. It could tell me how much to give and it had half units. So it was pretty good. It did its job, but obviously I, that led me even more to wanting a pump. Is that the Bluetooth enabled one? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I've heard of it, but I'm not really that familiar with it, but that does seem like a really great option for people who who don't want to get pumps. It was great. I mean, if I didn't have to have, I couldn't get the pump. I would have kept it. Um, It definitely was nice and it did have the temperature and there's a whole app. It it was intuitive. Very cool. So since you're new to diabetes so far, what are your like favorite things, favorite quote, you know, like something you find possibly enjoyable with diabetes? And then what are some things you absolutely do not like? Well, obviously I wish you didn't have it, but I enjoy being able to be more in tune with how like I feel and being able to like pinpoint it to like my blood sugar is pretty powerful. Like pretty much everything's blood sugar related. So being able to act upon it and understand how your body and kind of like be in tune with it. I mean, I dislike so much like management, you know, there's so anything you can do can screw it up. So I will tell you that after 25 years, that does not change. Yeah, I, I figured every day is a new day. So yeah. Is there a certain way of eating or diet that you found helps you manage your blood sugars over the last few months? Sure. Yeah, I when I was in the hospital, they gave me like a one of the people was a dietitian. They kind of was like it was I felt like there was like more of like type two related. But I prior to my diagnosis, I was actually 100% vegan. So 
when I found out, I kind of switched back to eating more dairy because it's pretty much carb-free eating cheese. Because <laughs> that's originally, I thought I was losing weight from being vegan, but definitely was not the case. And I stepped away to like being like low carb, but I'm not on a specific diet. I do tend to stay away from rice and like heavy like wheat. Just I, I do better how it so. I didn't quite change a whole lot of how I eat. Just, I guess I kind of watch how much I eat, if that makes sense. Very cool. Chicken, I was vegetarian for a while with diabetes, but I noticed like chicken kind of helps with like stabilizing blood sugars and stuff like that. It's not too heavy. I don't know. It's just something that I, yeah, I kind of noticed. I uh, once became, after I was diagnosed, I decided to become more pescatarian. Um, okay. I've gone through so many diets, so, so and I don't have it often, but it, I, I like that. It's, I'm glad I've incorporated that more into my diet. Yeah. Okay. So what does burnout look like for you so far, like either with school or even diabetes wise? Personally, I haven't experienced burnout, but I mean, I know I've had the moments where it's like, I don't really want to do diabetes, but I just know that like taking those couple seconds and like addressing those issues is better in the long run and not ignoring them. But I, I think in the future, I'm going to experience it. And I know that there are days where I don't want to do a certain activity because I know my blood sugar is going to go low, if that makes sense. Or having to, with a group of friends and having to leave abruptly because of a Dexcom malfunction. So, you know, people don't quite understand that, but I'm sure you guys understand. <laughs> yeah. So with that, have you found anything that kind of like helps you after, you know, having those moments where you got to go home and stuff like that. Have you found anything that kind of helps you feel better? Yeah, because it's like your health. And I think your health is the most important. So like being able to have that little like escape is, I think, priceless. And then what advice do you have for new diabetics who are already starting to feel like that burnout process a little bit? I'd say I was just thinking about this, I would say it's funny when I was diagnosed, I wasn't upset or sad about it. I was kind of relieved in a sense. I had this sort of anxiety. Something was always wrong with me, but having such a positive mindset that things will be better helped me in the long run. Just having a positive outlook, even in the moment you might be sad, there is better times to come. Have you kept up with any of the like diabetes technology updates and stuff like that? I have been. I once I was diagnosed, I I used to love looking at like electronics and since I've become a type one, I've looked at all like the diabetes technology and like when is the next stuff coming out, when is the next update. I kind of I find it fascinating like to be diagnosed in today's age. I'm glad now I was because of all the technology. What's the coolest piece of tech you've seen so far? I'd say wearing my Dexcom, just just to see the rise, just to see how different activities affects me, and it's it's really cool. Being able to hook it up to my watch and hook everything up, so I feel like I'm all connected. So knowing what you know now, what or if you could have done things differently, what would you have done things differently? I don't know if I would do anything differently per se, just because I've had such a weird experience with it so far, having a positive experience, I wouldn't change it. 
it's been a lot of you know trial by error, but I've learned, I've done a lot of like research, also looking at like YouTube vloggers and other type ones has been really like inspirational to me. Do you have a favorite memory over the past few months from having diabetes? Yes. So my first A1C check, I was at school and my endo sent over the request labs to my, the local university clinic. They didn't know I was type one. So I went in, just wanted to get it done. And the lady was like trying to ask, oh, you need to have your physical. Like, no, no, like it's fine. I just here to get my A1C. And a couple of days later, they call me, oh, good news. You're not diabetic. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm very much still type one. <laughs> so it was really kind of funny to me. What was the A1C? 5.7. So from 12.2. And that was over the like three months. You dropped it that much in three months? Dropped it that much. I that just, is amazing. I, I didn't eat like sugar. Like not, I mean, I eat sugar, but I didn't eat snacks and stuff. I kind of, I kept pretty low carb and that helped me. I just, you feel better eating low carb in general. It's just, I had a high carb meal last night and you know, that was the roller coaster effect is just not fun. So having those like consistencies is like much better in the long term. Would be so great if as soon as your A1C hit 5.7, you don't have diabetes anymore. <laughs> yeah, but I think mine has gone up slightly. So I'm curious to see how I'll know next week. <laughs> you think your like body is still in that honeymoon phase where your pancreas still might be producing a little bit? I don't think so. I People, they had said in the hospital, I might go into honeymoon phase, but I haven't mm-hmm. experienced that yet. I was in DKA, so I don't know if like, you go to honeymoon phase afterwards or if I had a honeymoon phase prior. Because I don't know how long it was like dormant within me. I feel like I had it, symptoms show up like a year or two ago and then mm-hmm. may have gone into honeymoon phase. But I'm not sure because nothing has like changed significantly, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm still waiting for the day where it's like crashing down, but I haven't, I haven't experienced that yet. It's possible if you didn't have that many carbs in your diet before you were diagnosed that that kind of helped keep the number low. Yeah, because if you were only diagnosed at four hundred something, that's pretty like that's that's pretty good for for how many months you were having symptoms. Yeah, and I think I was being like more active in the summertime, but like the stress and the slowing down, I think that really heightened it up. So I don't know. It's a mystery and we'll never know. So we're going to start moving into more like guest specific questions. So like this is these next couple of questions are going to be about like your journey to getting a pump and stuff like that. So when did you start trying to get an insulin pump? So yes. So when I was first diagnosed, they had told me about a pump and I brushed that off to the side. Like, no, I, I don't want that. I was really happy with injections. And then when I had my first A1C done and like my endo was like, you know, you really should consider a pump. You're a great candidate. I'm like, yeah, maybe. And then I was got to the point where I was like, I'm ready. I want to do this. I had my heart set on Omnipod and I had all the paperwork done and like approved. And then I quickly decided that I didn't, I don't like the bulky thing on me. So I went, I looked at Tandem, I looked at the Control IQ, having Dexcom, it made the most sense. And like, to kind of push aside of like the tubing, like I figured I would just get used to that. And I started the Tandem process, I would say in April. And I needed to be like 
a type one for six months, which I didn't know, but there's ways around it. So one of like the really good thing is you need to have a really good endo. Even though I had one appointment, I was I'm in constant communication with them on like a chat messaging thing. So I think that's something plus you need to have, but also they, she submitted like paperwork saying like, you know, having a pump is a good fit for me, even though it's not been the time frame. I think that kind of expedited the whole process. So sorry, backtracking. So I started that process in April and the pump was, took a while. Like, like there was like a time of two weeks where there was no like information. I'd say it took like three weeks before I started the process and it actually showed up at my door and I was excited because I was like, as soon as I can get it, I want to start the training. But unfortunately I had to wait two other extra weeks because of some insurance issues with my, the process of training it. But I waited it out. I figured, you know, at least I have it. I know it's going to happen. And then I did my training virtual over two days. And that was actually kind of a cool experience because my trainer was actually type one wearing a Dexcom and the pump. So it kind of felt cool. That was like my first real experience with another type one, like seeing them face to face. So it was an interesting process. So if, if you were going to explain to a newly diagnosed diabetic how to get an insulin pump, is that pretty much what you would tell them or would you change anything? Yeah, I would say like, make sure you like, you have, I mean, anybody should go on one, but like you have good control, you're able to like troubleshoot and kind of like do like micro adjustments on your own. Cause I, I quickly learned cause they gave me like a huge regimen of 20 units of Lantus and then five units of Humalog plus whatever on the sliding scale. That was like the first two weeks. And then they slowly transitioned me to one to 10 ratio. And then like they lowered my Lantus. But then I like, I noticed that like, there's more than that. You got to do corrections here and there. You don't just do one for the meal. And then like, oh, I learned that pretty fast. And then making like little subtle adjustments with the basal. Because if I was running a little higher, I would adjust my basal slightly. But having that is I would say when you're comfortable giving yourself shots, I think you should transition. But I've said this before, but having a an endo like, like on your side who is like ready and ready to give you a pump to make sure like you understand what you're getting into. I think that was the most important thing. It's like my endo knew that I was ready, I was capable, and having somebody on your side is what you need. Even an educator, the, one of the educators, she, I think she ended up writing a letter for my endo for me. So having, having all of those resources, I think will help you in the long run. And there's always loopholes. Like I said, there was like a six month. I was like, I was determined to get it before then. And I, I did a couple of days before I turned the six month mark. That's really cool. So what did the training look like for you and your pump specific, like sp- pump specific training? What did that look like? So yeah, they had sent me a like a couple of videos of like control IQ I had to watch. And then there was like a huge PowerPoint and I just, I skimmed through it. And I was like, ah, okay, I know that. I know that. And stop look if there was something I didn't know, but I had watched a lot of videos beforehand. <laughs> so I, I, I knew what I was getting into. And the training was over two days. Each was like an hour and a half ish. And the first day was, Actually, I did it through Zoom. It was just putting all my information in. She was just going over some of the basic control IQ features. And then the second day, I actually attached it and was up and running. 
What were some of the hurdles in the process of getting approved? Like you mentioned some insurance problems. Were there anything yeah. else? So my endocrinologist office required me to have two visits. I had only had one. It was their paperwork. I, it didn't make sense to me. I was frustrating because it was like you could j- just one signature. But once I was back home, I had to have an appointment. I did it over the phone and I had to be in the state. So it was that was like the frustrating part, but it, it really, it only sent me back like two, three weeks. So like, it wasn't that bad, but still I had wished I could have started it like the week after, but I was thankful at least my trainer was able to schedule it before, you know, she had that paperwork. So that was good. It wasn't like, Oh, I don't know when. So what do you mean you had to be in the same state? I guess it's an insurance issue that I needed for, I had a phone, like a video chat appointment and then she approved the, Thing. But they like, are you in the state of Virginia? I could have said no, but I was here. So, <laughs> but that was the most frustrating part of the whole process. It's just like, it was just one signature, but, but I, I got it and it's worked out fantastic. So. Awesome. So how long did it take from the moment you asked for a pump to the moment that you started being on a pump? I'd say probably a month and a half half-ish before I actually started using it because there was a, there was a time of limbo of just like them not knowing if I would be approved or not but I was adamant to get it <laughs> so I learned that you kind of have to be the middleman in the whole process of check-in and because for all you know something wrong with it so I have no idea if that's short or long Jesse do you remember how long it took you to get yours I know So, oh gosh, I didn't necessarily want to be on the pump because it was such a big change from the insulin shots. I didn't feel like I was ready for it. Like I was like, okay, I just got diabetes. I have just accepted that. I just accepted being on shots and now they wanted to change like another thing. I think the process lasted with, and my training was like over three or four days and it was in person because I was a kid. And they want to make sure I was getting all the right support and like all of the necessary resources, like you had mentioned earlier. I think for me, it was like two months. And that's because I kind of didn't want to be on it. And I wanted to like give myself time. But they kind of pushed it. I'm glad they did. But at the same time, I, I didn't necessarily really want the pump. I didn't think it would like improve my life. It did. It has. I recommend it for everybody, but you know, I don't think I was necessarily ready to be on the pump instantly right after that point. They did require three to four months of being on a shot on the shots though. I do remember that. Just so like if the pump broke, then I would have some like background on what to do with the shots. And I was nine when I got my pump. I have no idea how long it took to get it. But I was also basically the guinea pig at diabetes camp because I was one of the first campers with the pump. And it changed my life. But I, I do kind of remember having to go to in-person training and like learning how to do the quick set and like put it in like an orange or something. But that was just so long ago. Wow. Time flies. <laughs> so you also have a Dexcom. I do. Was yes. that was that a, like a dual process thing or did you get that before you got the pump? I had it separate. So I actually was given the freestyle lever two in the hospital and I was like happy with it. But then I, that quickly escalated <laughs> and I quickly transitioned to Dexcom. I had so many problems with it. Like you can't calibrate it. And 
I don't know why, but it was always more accurate on my right arm. It was only approved for my arm. I put it on my left, it would fail. It would lose connection, and there's no app for it. I don't know if it's released in the works, but they're like, oh, an app's coming, an app's coming. And I'm like, and I hated having to scan. It's just, it, it didn't work. So when did you get the Dexcom? I got the Dexcom, I would say, in beginning of February. Okay. So, so you've had, had it for a few months. You had it for a few months, yeah. So I'm really glad I got that. And and that made that was like the huge like choice of like going with Tandem because it works Control IQ. And I, I knew like Omnipod was doing the Horizon. And they're like, oh, it, sometime in 2021. Is it going to be then? I don't know. So it's, so I wanted the technology that would work. And because technology that fails, just it's not worth the anxiety in the long run. So this has been really good. I mean, I've had the occasional fail, but it's, you know, I always have, have backup or they replace it right away. So what's your favorite thing about the Dexcom? I like the connectivity. I have it on my watch. Well, it's connected to my phone, but I have it on my Samsung, not Samsung watch, fossil watch. So just having it on my wrist, having it connected to my pump, the alerts. I only just have it set for the high and low. I don't have this set for like the rise and the fall rate because that would be way too much. I have the alerts vibrate, so they're not, it's not obnoxious. I even have my pump on vibrate because I, I don't want all the alerts. <laughs> I will agree with the no alerts thing. I made it so it's basically all silent and then I yeah. turned off all of the alarms on my phone, but I can't turn off the urgent low, so it will still no. beep even if Which- I get a compression low in the middle of the night. <laughs> And I haven't, I, I'm going to venture on my arm. I've normally, I've just done it on my belly, but I think I'm going to try on my arm. I know there's good success, but so far it's worked great on my abdomen, but I need some more space to rotate my pump. So I, I'm going to start to transition to my arm. Hopefully it works. I, I have only ever so. put it on my arms. See, I don't know. I'm afraid because of like the, the freestyle, you know, I hope it works. Yeah. No, I just, I hope I don't have like the, inaccuracies but i mean i know i can calibrate i like being able to calibrate it but i I think i only have to calibrate it once in the whole 10 day and it it's it always um, it always works instantly so yeah you don't actually have to calibrate it at all because it's factory calibrated but yes but if it's more than 20 percent off of your meter and Mm -hmm. the arrow is not straight up or straight down then you can calibrate it oh okay i thought like Every I do random accuracy tests, and they're always always like spot on. Because that was another issue with the freestyle. I would be like 140, and it's saying I'm like 200, and I'm like okay, like that frustrated me. And then also if there was such weird swings, that's when it would disconnect. So I don't know if it just I I kept the little receiver as my 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 backup monitor, so I have that, but I don't have to do like finger pricks hardly ever. So. And that's been great. So, yeah. so is there anything that you're still not sure about with the pump or something that you wish your doctors would answer about the pump? I don't think so. It did take me a few days to trust Control IQ. I don't know if that was your case, but it was like, oh, are you actually going to like work? I wish though, like, I don't know if you've mentioned this before, but I wish that I could set the target different. Because it's like, once it goes like above 180, it gives corrections. So like, you still have to give yourself manual corrections, which is fine. But I mean, I wish that it was a system that it would do that for you and not when you're going high. But 
I tend to watch it so I, I can deliver it here and there. So it hasn't been a problem. You can change your high line and that will change when control IQ starts to give you boluses. Oh, okay. I know so, I have mine. I don't know if it's set. Do I set it in the pump or is it through Dexcom? You set it in the pump and my high line is set at 140. So it'll give me corrections at like when I reach 140 instead of 180 because I, I would go bananas. Because it goes at 180 and I'm like, well, like once I'm on 80, I know it's definitely going to keep going up. And it's like, yeah, so you can change you know, that setting on I, the pump. After this, I'm going to change that. <laughs> I'm going to try to actually find what the setting is. Yeah, I'll follow along. See, I'm going into options. I'm just clicking around to try to find things. Control IQ setting, personal profiles. No. <laughs> this is so ridiculous that we have to like go into everything. I know we set it up in my training, but I, I couldn't tell you exactly if it's in. I swear I've found it before. Is it under alerts now? Is it alerts? <laughs> this is so ridiculous. <laughs> I swear I've set it in here. Oh, here we go. Okay. So it's in my CGM, CGM alerts, high and low. So at high alert, I have my high alert set to 140, my low alert to 82. And I'm pretty sure that's when it starts to give me insulin. But then if I go in here, and then my pump reminders are at slightly different. But I th I'm pretty sure it's set at the 140. That's good, even though when I eat, it's going to go high. But that would be good because it's like it kind of will stop the curve. Because that's one thing is like your dose, but then it's like going up high. And it's like, well, I also well, another... changed the insulin on board, not to five hours. I know <laughs> I found that mm -hmm. when I was on my in-pen that it would be like, two to three hours and then it would be out of my system is that not a setting you can change i don't think so she, the, the trainer <laughs> the trainer said oh it's it's set it's that's what control iq says but i was like it didn't make sense because it's like i know like three hours is pretty good because it's like that it's in the system and then it doesn't want to give me anything more because it still says oh you still have it on board yeah if control iq is active you can't change your insulin on board time. But I've also found that it, it will adjust how much insulin shows as on board based on how fast or low, that's, fast or falling I, I or rising. That too. So I wonder if it's, that's the maximum amount. Cause I have like, if I'm dropping, it's like, Oh, it got rid of that. So uh, it's the algorithm. It's really weird. So it's really weird. Sorry for that tangent, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it's all good. I'd rather have, you know, you guys talk about, about something I don't know about and learn at, rather than me talk about something that's you're not. On the, you're on the, I, I listened to you guys, you're on the Medtronic, the, the, the newer one. Yes. Right? Yeah. I'm on the six, the Medtronic six, seven or seven seventy G with the guardian sensor. It's a closed loop and they only talk to each other. If that makes sense. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah I kind of eliminated Medtronic from my list of, pumps it was either omnipod or t-slim but yeah can i ask why like it always interests me i heard there's a lot of problems with the sensors i don't know if that's true and there's a lot of i don't know if it was the previous pump it would throw you out of like the loop system and, and it's like i didn't i don't know like i know it works great for some people but i i figured if i would have problems it would be me that would have the problems so i was like i'm gonna try to go for something that's gonna work for me. Yeah. 
Totally. Oh, definitely. Yeah. No, it does kick you out if your blood sugars have been like on what you set as your high line for over three hours and it like out of auto mode and it'll kick you into like this weird like in between range and you just have to test your blood sugar reinsert it. But the next one that's coming out, I think it's, oh boy, I think it's September it's coming out and it won't do that. It'll act more like the tandem and the Dexcom in that sense. But yeah. That's what I heard. So, I mean, I know people love it. So, I mean, yeah. not like this. I really like it. <laughs> so we might've already covered some of this, but what's your favorite and least favorite things about the tandem? I don't have, I guess the, I guess that the insulin on board, I would say that was, <laughs> I love sleep IQ. at first, the first night it was like running a little higher, but then I realized I just had to tweak the basal a little bit. And then once I got that, it's like nice straight line at night. So I, I know like I'll wake up at a good range and that's nice starting the day fresh. Cause you know, it's just gonna be different from there on out. So <laughs> that's I my gotten, favorite. I've gotten it down to where I will wake up at like eighty nine ninety every time. It's the so, first night so it was like, I woke up at one forty and I was like, why it's supposed to keep me. <laughs> and then I realized it's the basil. So I can switch the basil. Finally, like it'll go up to like one thirty ish, but then it's like nice in the one twenties waking up. So, that's perfect. That's a good way to start because I know I won't be in that range for the rest until the night. So. so if you could give a review on your sensor, like if an honest opinion about your sensor, what would that look like? I give it, I mean, obviously there's malfunctions. I would give it an eight. I don't know if what start, like what rating, uh, 10. Because it, it, it's worked really well. And even like with the malfunctions, I quickly like can evaluate if something's wrong. I've had really good success. I've only had once where it didn't quite retract the needle, but I, I, I whacked it and it worked. So, <laughs> and I did, I did have a bleeder, but it, it was accurate. And then it was, I was at like 140. Then it was saying I was at 70 and I was really still 140. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to switch that out before it's. And I, I wish the time warm up was different. That, that's my only complaint. Um, the two hours goes by, it's too slow. And just, yeah, I don't like that part. And I, I heard, I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard that the seven is supposed to be a 30 minute warm up, which would be great. That would be awesome. So I'm, I'm hopeful for the future. I know that it's, they're still working with tandem. So like the partnership is still there. So. I think it's funny that you mentioned that uh, the non-retracting of the needle because I did not know that was a thing until I started seeing it in the like the diabetes Facebook groups, and then lo and behold, my very next sensor was a non-retraction. <laughs> I saw it on the uh, the diabetes app, and someone had it. I'm like, oh, like that's not going to happen to me. Saw another video, and it, that same thing. I'm like, but it, I'm glad that I didn't have to rip it out. It after I give it a whack, it, it works. So I was like, it's good enough for me. So. I haven't had that happen. So you mentioned uh, the diabetes app. How did you find that app? And what's been your experience with meeting other people and talking about type 1 diabetes? Your podcast led me to this, to the app. And that's when I connected with you, I don't know, several months ago. (laughs) And it's been great because it's like, you know, there's a whole group of people knowing what you're going through. You can offer advice, tips and tricks. I think I check that more than I check Instagram or Facebook. So I'm glad that they made an app for that. So you're also a photographer. And so tell us about 
how you're showing your journey with type one diabetes through your photography. Yes. So I've linked my website in the podcast and I just graduated college with a BFA in uh, photography and part of your capstone, you have to do a show and they want your show to be, you know, you start working on it from the beginning of the school year to the end. And I had this one idea, this was before I was diagnosed and I just was, I didn't like where I was going with it. It was trying to weave photos and homemade paper. It, it, it wasn't working. And I think, cause yeah, I, I gave up on that. When I was diagnosed, I wanted to do a project based off of it. And I really kind of procrastinated with this project because <laughs> it was like two months before school ended and like, Ryan, you need to have a project. And I was going to shoot, have different people with low snacks, but it, it, it wasn't working. Like the logistics and like the vision wasn't working. And I finally, I want to say like two months before I finally figured out what I was going to do. I showed four symptoms of high blood sugar and low blood sugar. And I kind of compared it to a roller coaster. I have my artist statement is actually on my website. It's in projects and it's the first uh, projects. And I have it laid out. The top are the high symptoms and the bottom are the low. And I put myself into the images and I had some other people, just friends, model for me. So I did one excessive thirst. There's one like brain fog, one about anxiety, excessive urination. I, I did something on that. You have to look. I actually put myself in. <laughs> I used myself, and I thought it was a really cool how I did it. I kind of based it off of color to really heighten the mood and the symptom of each symptom. How was that received for your like your professor side? So it, it, that's funny. I passed, but they didn't quite understand. They thought it looked drug related. I honestly think they were a little irritated because. You're supposed to be this whole year's worth of work. And I, I did it in such a short time. They liked it. Like, did you share it in the community? I'm like, well, no, I haven't. Because it, it, it isn't quite necessarily for other type ones. It's for people who don't understand. But they were questioning, like, you know, why did you change it? They were they were being critical. But I, I appreciate what I did. And I think I did a great job in it, with it. So, Speaking of your projects page on your website, how did you come up with the coffeeed photography project? <laughs> That was, I would say, lighting one. I love coffee. <laughs> and I was thankful to find out that caffeine doesn't affect my blood sugar. I've heard that it can with other people. I based it off of like advertisements. So it was just, I found different sayings online and I, I paired them with that. And the one of like the syringe is my professor. <laughs> he modeled for me. So. <laughs> As a fellow coffee lover, I will say I quite enjoyed that. So that was that was fun. I figured, like there's like a little element of coffee in each one. So, all right. So, what advice do you have for the young or newly diagnosed diabetics out there? I would say I, I don't know if I touched base on this. Is like knowing like even if things are hard now, things will get better, and just having a positive mindset and knowing that like these little moments will pass, and you'll start to live your life how you lived it before. Awesome. Differently though, there is many different aspects, but you can live a normal life. That is true. Don't let diabetes control you guys. So uh, what projects are you working on that you're really excited about? Currently I'm nothing. <laughs> I'm a home job searching right now, so I'm not sure. I would, I don't, I would like to do something else 
a project based off of type one. Uh, I'm not sure yet. Maybe expanding on my current series. I don't have access to a studio. I did all of that at school and studio. So maybe some more like environmental work. I'm not sure. I, I, I love doing architecture photography. That's what I want to do, but I want to somehow mix the two together. I'm not sure how. It's, I'll, I'll figure it out. It's going to come to me like it came, like the project came to me. You know, it, creativity strikes at different times. So where can people find you online right now? So you can find me on Instagram and it's GriffinRyan98. And then my website is RCG Photography. And I believe it should be linked within the podcast. We will link all of those in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been great Thanks talking with you. Me. Yeah. All right. Our questions for you guys this week is, what was the process for you when you got a pump? Are you looking to get one soon and just doing research on what to expect? Let us know in the comments or send us a quick email. And that is it for this episode of This is Type 1. Thank you so much to Ryan for coming on as a guest to the show. You can find Ryan on his website, ryancgriffinphotography.com, and I think it's also rcgphotography.com. We'll have to check both of those. Or you can reach him on Instagram at griffinryan98. You can find the show notes at inspiredforward.com slash episode 99. That's the number 99, and that means the next episode is 100, which is our Voices of the Community unicorn episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, you can fill out the form on our podcast page at thisistype1.com. Our music is by Joseph McDade. I have a Facebook group where I coach people for free in the comments, and I go live on most Saturdays. You can join Life and Mindset Coaching by visiting the link in the show notes. I'm on all social media and Clubhouse as at Inspired Forward, and I'm on the Diabetes app as at Colleen Mitchell, and our email is Colleen at InspiredForward.com. And I'm on Instagram as at JJ underscore Crystal K-A-T. Please feel free to send me questions or comments you have about type 1 diabetes or about the show. If you do reach out on Instagram, please make sure you mention that you're a listener of the show. Also, keep a lookout for our new podcast Instagram page that'll be up and running here in the next couple of days. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to listen next week for another episode about real life with type 1 diabetes. Remember... You control your diabetes. It doesn't control you. Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com slash community. I can't wait to see you there.